I mean, I know No Shoes Nation is uh, pretty welcoming, uh, and they're willing to help you unwind your laps. The episodes were a half hour. Some of the first ones, I think, were like 21 minutes. It was like shocking. I was like, what, what is this, uh, a master of none? I would imagine you wouldn't be, get quite the uh, satisfaction from a stabbing or whatever. Welcome to the big stream. I am Kyle Coster. I'm here with Stephen Douglas. Let's shrink some minds. We are talking about The Patient. This was a Hulu FX series that just had its finale. It's done. There won't be a season two for obvious reasons if you watched it. It stars Steve Carell in a dramatic role with Domhnall Gleeson serving as the one-two punch this show is kind of like a play. I realized that it's something that you would go and watch being staged. It's largely confined to a basement. The plot is as follows. There's a serial killer who wants to change his ways. That doesn't happen very often. <laughs> and in order to do this, he kidnaps his psychiatrist, who is Steve Carell, and chains him to a bed in the basement in order to get on-demand therapy. Um, that is not recommended by any of the guidebooks or the American Psychiatry Association, any of the governing bodies. They tend to frown upon those things. But Stephen, what are your overall thoughts on this series, which concluded? Well, I, I like what you said, how it, it was like a play. I never thought of that. But yeah, this would be this would make a very uh, easy translation to a to a theater piece. As for the actual TV show, I mean, it was it was very well made. The performances were good. It was another one of those shows that is not confined by the genre where it's like, you know, 10 years ago, this would have been like, if this show got made, it would be spread out into like 15 one-hour episodes, but they just made the, the show they wanted to make. And it was another one of those half-hour dramas. And... In that way, it reminded me of the bear, and a bear with the bear, which is a show. In the time the since we've watched it, you know, I've kind of reevaluated how I think about it, and it, I'm just, I mean, they're good, but they're kind of, I'm. It's just something that I'm never going to revisit again, and I'm not sure how as good as the patient was, if I would ever like go to bat for it. like oh you've got to see the patient i don't know if i would do that what about you well it's certainly not an easy watch um yeah. and the ending we can just get to it now if you haven't watched it this will be spoilers aplenty in this episode but the ending is very satisfying in one way but tragic in the other is the man does not make it out of the basement alive and there's no way he could have made it out of the basement alive um it's a very yeah. realistic series and it grapples with the life and death situation that he's in, in the moment, but also there's elements of his family life and his relationship with Judaism, which plays a huge part of it. They talk about the Holocaust. Like it's not an easy breezy watch. And it is about exploring a lot of the themes of your own life. Like, and that's kind of what makes it good. That's kind of what makes it difficult to watch. Like you assess your relationship with your kids. Like, Largely, what this ends up being is a man's reflection on his life and the life that he lived and how you're not in complete control over it and trying to make sense. And I thought through that lens, it was one of the most 
nihilistic offerings I've ever seen because we are all going to die and we all don't have control over how our kids turn out and we all make mistakes. And the best that we can do is try to do our best. And that's essentially where it is. And it's a message that is not neatly tied up in a bow as it's very complicated, but it's really challenging for the viewer. And I felt myself going through a lot of emotions, a lot of introspection. And I have to say, I did not anticipate any of that coming through the first four or five episodes because I thought that they were rather formulaic on the front end. And then the second end really sailed and they stuck the landing. It should be no surprise when we say they made the show that they wanted to make. We're talking about Joel Fields and Joseph Weisberg, who created the Americans, which maybe not the most enjoyable. It's it's funny you should mention the rewatch because I would say that the Americans may be the best series I ever saw, but it's something I just tried to recently rewatch with my wife. And we had a hard time getting into it because it was almost about like, okay, you did this once. Uh, it is not the most satisfying. It doesn't serve you everything you need to be served because it reflects real life and all its complexities and kind of its disappointments too. Yeah. It was such a, a realistic show that the, the pacing was like when they're when they're in that basement which is like i mean it, it, that's a that's a good basement that's a basement i would have liked when i was a kid huge huge space it's got the end the big glass sliding door to the outside so you get some natural light you got a bedroom down there with a bathroom we're gonna have to talk about the bathroom but it's just such a, a realistic show in the way it moved and just the the realism of it was just tough to watch at, at points, but you know, uh, very I don't know, it's just very good show. Well, you have Steve Carell, who obviously everybody knows from The Office and his comedy, but has also shown incredible range. He's been in some really striking works like Dan in Real Life and. The Fox and Foxcatcher, when he plays these broken individuals, it's really interesting because we have that capital with him, knowing him as Michael Scott. So it really stands out the things he's able to do here. Everything that he does is super small. And that's a psychiatrist. That's a psychologist. He is very in his own head. He's making assessments about the world that are nuanced and deep. And I don't know if it's like propaganda or a testament for therapy, but you really understand that there's a method to what goes on. And there's a difference between someone who thinks they know a little bit about it and someone who's made their life out of it. Um, he embodied this character and he played it so well that it was incredibly striking. And then he's teamed up against Domhnall Gleeson, who I had never seen before and who plays this role that I think was more interesting. It's a, it's a two-hander. It's two people interacting for primarily 90% of the action. But this young kid was so interesting to me because it was a character unlike any I'd ever seen. He does want to get better. There are elements of good to him. He's not this monster. And point after point, time after time, you start to think, hey, maybe there can be a happy ending here. Maybe he can 
come out of it. And then you see that comes to a head in the last few episodes where you think maybe he's going to make the right choice, but deep down you should know that he's never going to make the right choice. I thought that he played it so well because you could never really fully understand what his motivations were and where he was on the sliding scale. Uh, The most interesting scene for me is in the end when Carell is trying to get out and he's praising him and saying that we've made progress. And you're wondering if this is real or if he's just trying to trick him so he can go. And the face that the kid makes where it's landing on him and it means the world to him. But deep down, he knows he can't let go of this guy because he needs a new surrogate father for the next 10 years uh, was really amazing and really small contained performances. So not flashy, not showy at all, but incredible acting done on the margins, I thought. Yeah. And the fact that he's like, he thinks about it's like, you know, I, I, I could let you go. But, you know, it would be just as good. I love seat in a mini fridge. Going back to the realism of the show, I was just thinking, like, this is what it, this, if if I was a therapist and I was kidnapped to uh, be chained in someone's basement, I feel like this is exactly how it would go. You know, um, he, except the one big caveat is he just happened to uh, be abducted by a foodie. No captive has ever eaten as well as uh, Steve Carell's character in this show. But like just the sitting there and the just the conversations and like the hopelessness. It's very interesting the way that he was able to uh, go into therapy himself with uh, David Allen Greer, who showed up uh, in his. I mean, it was like the ultimate Sopranos. It was a, a dream, dream therapy session. You know, Dag was great all the different places and the way he, the way he worked through all of his, the things with his uh, kids and the way he was able to, while still chained in the basement, somehow he was able to work through his problems and get closure just uh, in his own mind. Skipping to the ending, uh, like the way he wrote the, what seemed like a a short, but perfect letter to his kids to uh, help give them closure. The way that, he was able to just understand all the things that he had done wrong. And he obviously did a pretty good job of breaking through to Sam, even though, uh, you know, he still became a, uh, he was still killing, but just having how he's like, well, you know, the, the family has to have the body, you know, and Sam did that. And then he chained himself up at the end, which, you know, you kind of saw coming uh, right at the end. But I feel like for the ending, they kind of gave us uh, the best of both worlds. Like with that one scene where he's just dreaming being back with his family and which has another dream within it uh, back at Auschwitz. You know, they kind of gave you a glimpse of all the possibilities before finally telling you the reality of it, which was exactly the only thing that really ever could happen. Well, dream sequences for me never really work. Um, I think that the Sopranos did them fairly well. But in this case, 
it actually made sense because you got to have your cake and eat it too mm -hmm. with the final dream where he's with his family. I said in the moment to my wife, I was like, I don't really understand what's going on here. <laughs> and she didn't have the answer. And then obviously the cut to him being strangled. And it's just like, well, okay, this is what's happening in his mind. And like, that's an avenue that they could have taken. It should be mentioned that the Americans finale was perfect as well. And it also wasn't totally satisfactory. It did wasn't a happy ending there was some melancholy and some sadness to it as well i did want to dig in on this issue and this was my biggest problem with the series i could make the argument even though this was short and i did enjoy that it, the episodes were a half hour some of the first ones i think were like 21 minutes it was like shocking i was like what, what is this uh, a master of none i think that they could have told the story of the family much shorter because if I had never really seen what had gone on with his family and then I had gotten that note at the end, I think it would have hit about like almost as much as it landed in seeing the backstory with Ezra and that his wife got sick. So I'm not really sure. Seems paradoxical to say that they wasted some time when this was a really tight series, but I thought a lot of the family stuff was sort of unnecessary. And I wonder if it could have been even better had they just left some of that on the cutting room floor. There's a few episodes that are basically just like tell the backstory and a backhanded compliment about the best kosher steak that Steve Carell had ever eaten. But then you get that note, like you don't really need to know the kids in order for everything in that note to resonate. Yeah, it was a show that definitely uh, explored the tiny space it was working in. The best example of that is the nonstop urination. It seemed like every episode there was like a, I mean, it felt like five minutes, like this guy just goes into the bathroom and Sam goes into the bathroom and you can just hear him peeing and he's always got his Dunkin' Donuts cup. And that's, I mean, that's, that's part of that realism, you know, where it's like, you know, you're drinking all this coffee all day, you're going to have to pee, but I've never seen it become, it was just so prominent that it was like Chekhov's piss. I mean, uh, at what point was something going to happen? Why did that happen? Why did they need that in every episode? Uh, even down to the finale, when he goes to visit his father, he had to take one more bathroom break before uh, the series ended. Well, I think part of that, there were a lot of things they did to humble the killer. He was a loser. Um, there are moments where you kind of root for him and you feel empathy, but he was so stuck in his ways like he would take minimal setbacks at work of someone having to do extra jobs or not getting his way and it wasn't necessarily like okay i'm gonna go and kill this person which he ultimately did like the bigger overreaction was how much he overreacted to like something not being fair and not being fair on the other person's behalf so and i think like dude i think like yeah and i think like with the with all the peeing um, with the interaction with his ex-wife, the the brutal dinner scene, which is kind of like the climax of like, is this guy going to get out of there? You're like, you're like, this guy is a monumental loser and he just needs to be about like 20% cooler in order for Carell to convince him to let him go and to go on with this life. And I think that the peeing and just the obsession over food. Like, I think it was meant to make him look weak. Like this guy was not strong. Yes. He was physically strong as like all the killing was like choking out and he was a really slight guy, yeah. but 
like he was a very weak loser impotent individual and i think that you could strike that against what Carell's character was where he's overweight bookish he tries to do one push-up uh and he he quits um uh, and he's chained to a bed but yet it's like the mental and internal strength that really matter in life if i had to like read some sort of like literary meaning into what was going on there yeah it's it's kind of surprising how many people were choked to death by bill weasley i mean he yeah he's just he does not have the uh the physical makeup of what you would think was a uh, a serial killer who does it all with his hands, but and and then drags the bodies around. You you would think Sam, and especially and he eats so well, you know. You would think Sam would build some muscle mass at least, but uh, he did not. So and he just yeah, he's definitely a big loser, and you do kind of feel bad for him, especially you know you give him the backstory where he's been beaten by his father you know that's that's a sympathetic horrible thing but then you come smash back to reality to the to the current times when he just gets upset with people not doing the right things and then waits and bides his time and strangles them to death you know he's a horrible person and it's it's good that he he knew he was doing bad things and he wanted to uh he wanted to stop but not to the point where he would go to jail one question before i get to the mom who's the most complex and confusing character in this show did you think that the death scenes coming by strangulation to me that made it way more effective because it was so intensely personal what he was doing and it's terrible to watch someone be strangled like i think that we've become a nerd and numb to gun violence, stabbing, all that stuff. But when you see someone wrap their hands around a throat and like them go away, like very unpleasant to watch and obviously way more personal. So I thought that that was actually a really smart and good choice. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's a, that's a big serial killer thing is doing it with your hands. I mean, it wouldn't, I would imagine you wouldn't be, get quite the uh, satisfaction from a stabbing or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have any. Uh, I don't have any background uh, in that, but I've I've heard that. Just a guess. Just a guess. And and this guy was a big uh, fan of the Green River Killer. Uh, he seemed to have an encyclopedic knowledge of serial killer that comes out killers that came out in the last episode, and that's when you knew uh, it, it was curtains for our boy uh, Michael Gary Scott, uh, the mom. So <laughs> the serial killer's mom lives in the house with him. Of course, he lives with his mom uh you know real basement blogger vibes from this guy uh not as well adjusted as us though for the record so she won't turn him in she knows exactly what he's doing and has been living this with her entire life she interacts with Carell. she seems fairly reasonable and kind you get the humanity in the last episode and she's like this is terrible for me i think about these people's families but i won't turn my son in um i didn't like it I just didn't think it I thought that it strained credulity. Uh, and I think someone like this uh, with this personal, this particular affliction would see his mom as a loose end uh, and probably get rid of her before that. And yet he seems to have a loving and affectionate relationship with his mom, even though she, as Carell points out, did nothing to stop the violence that his father enacted on him so i thought that that plot device did not make a lot of sense uh it added 
Uh, it was another person to interact with, of which there were precious few. So I understand why you needed it. But I, I think that if in a very realistic series, this is the one thing that stood out as kind of uh, a bit unbelievable. Uh, yeah. Um, when I mean, the killing is one thing, but the uh, taking captive of a therapist to uh, live in the basement is definitely an there, yeah, there were definitely uh, you have some questions about what what runs through her mind, and also, you know, it seems like for a serial killer um, who came from an abusive household, that he wouldn't have had to, uh, he wouldn't have needed any uh, pointing towards uh, the problems, and he might have actually started there, which I think would make a lot more sense. And also the fact that Sam ever was married uh, didn't make a lot of sense. I mean, I know No Shoes Nation is uh, pretty welcoming uh, and they're willing to help you unwind your lacks, but I just, uh, I don't know. I, I, the mother, yeah, she did. She did not make sense as a, uh, but I mean, that that's, that's how TV shows work. You know, somebody has to do something that makes zero sense for uh, the plot to move forward. Well, there wasn't a lot of passion in that relationship. I think that's what made it uh, a bit perplexing to me that they ever got to the point of marriage. Uh, it seemed like they wanted to establish that at one point he was a normal guy and he tried to do the normal things. But when the ex-wife comes over for dinner, he just sits there. Uh, he says that Indian food gives her gas. Like he clearly, <laughs> and this is when he's trying his best, right? So you have to imagine that at one point, he was actually able to like woo her and they had yeah. a somewhat reasonable relationship. So that didn't make a lot of sense. I feel like we could have, they could have done a lot more with uh, his backstory. Like uh, with, with the killing, I mean, when did this get started? Uh, was he doing this while he was married? Is this part of what tore the, the marriage apart uh, or Pull, caused him to like pull out mentally and then she just had no choice or is this something that was triggered when the marriage ended you know and i mean it's a show about a serial killer i i don't know if people would have complained if you showed more of the serial killing so we spent a little time on the things that didn't exactly sit right with us so let's turn it back to the positive and talk about some things that were excellent uh, the suspense was great. Mm. Every scene where he was like filing that tube of desitin or whatever it was into a weapon was amazing. Every scene where he was pondering what he was going to do, the David Allen Greer interactions, as you talked about, uh, where it's like, okay, you're really inside this guy's mind. The pacing was excellent. Nothing moved too fast. And just when things started to feel slow, I think for me, the series turns around on and you can put it in stage one in stage two. Everything takes a change when Carell actually sees him kill that employee in front of him in the basement, because before that, you're only hearing about the killings. You're not seeing them. And Carell's thinking, OK, maybe I'm dealing with someone who's somewhat rational here. And then a murder happens right in front of him. And. Carell has to dig a ditch uh, in an adjacent room um, by the famous toilet. To me, that's when things really took off. 
Uh, I was on the edge of my seat. I didn't really know where we were going with this. It wasn't formulaic. Like we said, the conceit is really awesome. Like if this is, I understand elevator pitch, you want great idea. Here's what's going on. Okay. Serial killer kidnaps a therapist to perform therapy in his home, in his basement. Okay. I'm in. And it was perfect. And they really, we talk about, they tried to do some extra stuff around the side with the family, with the Judaism stuff. It added, but you didn't really necessarily need it because that device, like I said, if it was going to be in contained one room play, that would have been fantastic, especially as these actors are largely just talking through the whole thing. The design of everything was amazing. The house was cool. Like the house was a character in this show. Like if you're Mm -hmm. only going to show an interior, it has to be super interesting. Like looking out that sliding glass window by the end, like you came to Rue, here he comes or coming down the stairs. Like you really felt like you were in there with him and it really felt alive. Uh, I, I just thought that they did really great. I thought they did a great job with so many of the small choices and they didn't do anything that really stood out as being out of place or out of whack yeah all the all the problems that we have with it aren't aren't real problems they're just the nitpicky fun things that you joke about because i mean this show i thought from the very first episode another thing where i'd never heard of it before and then and just turn on hulu one day and oh there's the patient with steve carell okay let's check this out and then you know it's very good quick 20 minutes um but like all the details of like the all the different shots and the sound was amazing you know yeah you mentioned like you hear the truck pull up and you hear him walking around on the gravel out there and you're like you you were with steve carell like what is that noise and then a hand truck with a uh with a love seat comes around the corner and you're like oh my god but yeah, this the elevator pitch is incredible. It's a great idea for a show. And they they did a very good job with it, kept keeping it realistic again. And just like, even though you got to the exact same place where what's the most likely way this turns out for these characters, you probably pick, well, he has to end up, he would have to end up killing the therapist because you can't let him go. There's just no way. Um, so so they and they did it and they did what made the most sense and they still let him lock himself up and give it like kind of a for society it's disappointing you know that he's not gonna face all he's not gonna have to go and face uh the real consequences and he gets to i mean his but now his mother is gonna be tasked with going and buying the television and she's gonna have to go and get the fancy dinners every night he's well now he's gonna get caught Okay, because his boss gets murdered, and then like a week or two later, all of a sudden he stops coming to work. Eventually, somebody comes to the house and knocks on the door and sees him chained into his basement. So, I guess he's just delaying the inevitable and doing a good job of you know trying to apply the lessons that he has learned to uh, not hurt anybody. But yeah, overall, in- enjoyable. Well, in- enjoyable and long watch. Well, I think that it does not pretend good things for his mother that she's taking. Yeah. I mean, I would say what the most likely scenario is he's going to attack her and get out because he's going to realize exactly what you realized. And it's a self-preservation thing that's driven him to this point. He's not about to get caught. Like he wouldn't have killed Carell if he wanted to get caught. I think he made a miscalculation uh, in the moment and that'll soon be rectified uh, in this fantasy world. Last thought on this and 
you know, it goes to, you mentioned the bear before and this series as well. I'm just thinking about things that stay within the lines that don't try to be crazy. I know that you have been doing episode by episode of house of the dragon on this feed. And I just, I find myself as I get older, like, and maybe it's how the ecosystem of streaming services and television as a whole have changed. You see the difference between people taking big swings and trying to be flashy uh, in, in all these big budgets like on Game of Thrones and its ancillary content compared to something here, which is pretty simple compared to the bear, which deals with human interactions, but are done by people who really have competence uh, and a track record in doing this. I'm just finding myself a lot more drawn to projects like this that maybe have a hard cap. We'll get to our scores here in a moment. It's not going to be the greatest series ever, but I'm just finding a lot of enjoyment in seeing people execute an idea about as well as it can be executed without trying to like reinvent the world or make this monumental masterpiece. Yeah, I think, I mean, the most important thing is, is just doing it well. I mean, anybody, no matter what kind of series, if it's, it's something as simple as uh, making beef sandwiches in Chicago or uh, trying to plot a uh, dragon war in a made up world. Um, if it's if it looks good and it's done good and it's believable and you can get lost in that world as no matter how fantastical it is like I've never worked in a restaurant. I never lived in Chicago, but, you know, I I escaped to that world. Um, and it was nice. It's it was nice to escape back to Westeros towards the end of uh, House of the Dragon, but like in in the first half of the season, there were a lot of issues where you're like questioning, you know, why are we doing this? So, as long as people are able to make the the good art, uh, that is a good thing, and um, I I really don't care if it's a 20 minute episode, if it's an hour episode, if it's 22 episodes long, or if it's like seven, you know, just any, anything good I, I want to watch. I'm happy to watch. And I don't know. So this was good and I was happy to watch it, which, uh, you know, we need more of that. And, and we have plenty of options these days. It's true. All right, let's get to the ratings the score the one thing that everybody cares about i'm going to give this one eight and a half freuds out of ten i really enjoyed it um this is a solid b plus a minus series don't have too many issues with it like i said it was not this tremendous investment it's cool to see something that's a contained story and it's going to be over and you're not in the back of your mind worried about oh what are they going to do in season two or is season three are they going to jump the shark it's nice to just have a story that's like here's the story it's done steve carell magnificent uh the setting and the scene and the idea was just really well executed but like you said I'm not so sure I'm going to be telling people uh, on the local public bus that they need to watch the patient. It'll change their lives. I would probably recommend this to someone who uh, wants to think about their lives. Um, and I thought that the most interesting um, and rewarding thing about it was for someone who wanted to be introspective and think about their own relationships and their own mortality. And I think you got to be pretty careful uh, with throwing out recommendations because that's not for everybody. Some people just kind of want to unplug. Yeah, I mean, this isn't the wire, but uh, I would I would give it 
Uh, I'd give it eight uh, empty Duncan coffee cups out of uh, 10. It, it was very good. Um, like you said, self-contained story. Um, I don't know. There, It's, you know, it's just a, a, it was a good story to follow for eight or 10 weeks, I guess, you know, happy. I'm happy. I, I watched it. I don't know if I'll ever need to watch it again, but I will always think about the patient when I see uh Dunkin' Donuts, Kenny Chesney or um, love seats. Carell's style was awesome too. Like I loved his, uh, I loved his sweater. I loved his beard. I loved his whole look. Uh, oh, one final beard, note: the beard towards the end was just so bushy and beautiful. The man can grow facial hair. I would say is one last thing: if you care about our recommendations, I would say you want to watch this one, one or two at a time. I don't think it would have hit the same binging. It was nice to be like to digest one or two at a time and then think about it. I think if you went for all of it at once, you might be a little bit underwhelmed. Like you kind of needed to sit in the uncertainty because there were some good cliffhangers out there. All right, that's The Big Stream. I'm Kyle Coster. He's Stephen Douglas. Keep it tuned to thebigleague.com for your sports, pop culture, and et cetera news. We'll be back. Oh, man. By the way, House of Dragons is done. What does that mean? I guess we got White Lotus. That might be coming as we get in season for succession. So we're back twice a week. Thanks for listening. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.